Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. We just need to take a minute for your setup behind you. It looks so much more beautiful than mine. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, we, both of us have plans, so that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some maybe year, year and a half ago, I, this was basically like an extra bedroom in the place where me and my partner live. And then I decided, okay, let me kind of just move it around and make it my kind of study slash office. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a really fun project with kind of getting everything done because it's in the roof area. It's relatively small. So it was a real challenge to get a lot of things inside, but it overcrowded. It looks absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, first of all, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> uh, so, can you tell everyone what is it that you do and why are you here today? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not very good at these questions. I'm not very good at being concise and succinct about what I do. You don't um, have to be concise. So... There are no rules here. <laughs> Okay, great. I love, I love no rules. Um, so basically, I help people figure out how to run their businesses in a way that is supportive to them rather than kind of going against the, their natural tendencies or the way their brain works, or the way that their body works, or the way that their experiences have kind of led them to want to to do. So I work a lot with people with mental health issues or chronic illnesses or um, people who are neurodivergent or who have had kind of previous work trauma. Basically people who have always been told that they needed to be a way that they weren't um, mm -hmm. to fit in at work and to be successful at work. Um, so yeah, that's me. I feel like I like when you were saying uh, what you were doing, I was like, just like checking all of my boxes yeah. and <laughs> through all of my lived experiences. I love multiple box tickers. They're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why I resonate a lot with everything that you're doing, that you're saying, and all of your messages on Instagram is like, it feels, um, it feels really lovely, as you say, to kind of get a radical permission to just be yourself and yeah. be like, especially like with your reel this morning, I, I, it's like, yes, um, I remember how I think I've, I've read it in the book that which first kind of articulated my thoughts over how we are working today versus how it's like disproportionate to our ways of working today is yeah. and you said something along the lines of um the yeah kind of the working days the work the, the, the way we work was designed in the industrial age by white male <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah then, exactly yeah. it's crazy it's and it's not just kind of the way that we work or the way that we think about work it's the whole structure and idea of work the concept of work the fact that it's based on your time that you do it for at least eight or nine hours a day that you're in the same place that you are sat doing an activity constantly yeah. like all of those things are part are, are make up the structure of the whole concept of work and those things were made up by old rich white guys hundreds of years ago for yeah. A, a kind of way of working that doesn't that has there's no resemblance to what most of us do today um yeah. and yeah I just and I I think often we really struggle to break out of some of those things and it's not a, a failing on our part or us self-sabotaging or us being people pleasers it's it's us you know reflecting and behaving in ways that the whole structure the system of work has told us from our earliest experiences so yeah it's like a big it's a big thing to think okay how do I want my work to be if there are no rules yeah. um and I guess that's what I like to do is help people figure out what their own rules are um what do you think are people's most kind of general challenges with setting up uh with that I like I feel like mine is the guilt <laughs> Like yeah. Even though I know that some, like, 
rational on a rational level i know that everything you've said is true but still like I, when you go and do action some action about it some crippling guilt still remains yeah. inside and i think yes 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 to all of that and i think often where that guilt comes from is particularly a couple of things that this whole structure of system of work teaches us one is that our value is found in our time we're paid by the hour we're expected to sit at the desk at the loom in the industrial age for a certain number of hours a day a certain number of hours a week a certain number of hours a month to be paid our yeah. due to be paid our worth our value and i think the other is <clears throat> um basically the capitalist obsession with productivity and that to be valuable we must be productive and it can't possibly be um valuable or worthy of us to spend time dreaming or planning or getting excited or calming our nervous system down or relaxing and resting and yeah. so i think a lot of that guilt comes from these things that are so deeply ingrained in us as a society that that our time is the most valuable thing about us and that time should always be used productively um and so of course we think oh yes rationally i understand and i know that i can set my own rules because i work for myself but but i can't because yeah. of these things yeah um and then those things start to like manifest in the way that we behave in our work as well I think. yeah uh that's so nicely said and uh i I feel like being realizing that being so self-aware about knowing that the way we are kind of taught to work is not serving us is crucial. Even though it's hard, I remember the first time I like almost my entire life I felt like I, I wasn't fitting in in the mm. whatever the traditional box was, whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, like not like not made for me i, I like I, I felt like this yes <laughs> yeah it was like it i wasn't fit i wasn't shaped to fit in that mold and um i i i think it was like some two years ago two and a half years ago when first these thoughts started to come into my brain and of course they kind of I put them in action at the time when I completely burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which I know it, both of us share. I, I know your story from uh, that. And for everyone else that, uh, that doesn't, you have it written on your website. And it's really nice on how you actually started doing all of this. And I think for a lot of us kind of coming to this realization, it always start, starts with ourselves. And yeah. then really getting so angry how many other people are affected by the same problem because it's a structural, systemic yeah. problem. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, first of all, I think so many of us feel like we were square pegs trying to be shoved into round holes in all of our previous work life experience like you say like we're like this trying to fit yeah. in and it's just not working and we have to squish and and i i guess what i want to say to you and anyone else who feels that way is there was never anything wrong with you it was always the box that you were trying to be shoved in and you can make your own box or your own circle or your own palace to work in and live in and it can be perfectly shaped to you because now that we work for ourselves we're so lucky that we have the ability to do that but I think so many of us myself included and I think this is like you know unlearning things that are so deeply ingrained in us systemically institutionally as a society takes a long time um, but so many of us plan to go self-employed to give ourselves more freedom from those boxes and then when we get there we deny ourselves that freedom because we're still living and working in the way that the, that, that society has taught us we should um so yeah you're not alone and there was never anything wrong with you it's just the box that they're trying to shove you into yeah. definitely 
Yeah, it, <laughs> that's. I, I know how it was the same kind of for me, but it's very similar to everyone else. Where like you start to think that if you work like in a corporate job or for anyone else, but not yourself, that it is the job's kind of fault or sole responsibility mm-hmm. of why you're not feeling like you're fitting in. And then yeah. transitioning, being self-employed, we need our energy because what we need to bring to our attention and focus on is actually not continuing to work 60, 80, 100 hours per week just for ourselves, <laughs> but rather thinking, <laughs> okay, so how, like, what, what do I need in life? How do I want my day to look like? And then structure your business to work for your life, to work for you instead of you working for your own business. Like yeah. whatever this, like if the work, if work is the subject, we didn't basically change anything because I feel like yeah. in that kind of transition, the transition is actually from work being subject to us, as in me, I'm the now, I'm the subject. And then work is just like an, one of the objects Mm, yeah. yeah and I think often we you know we've all had experiences of awful bosses when we've been employed bosses who are like oh can you just at mm. 6 or 7 p.m in the evening or who ring you when you're on holiday or all of those things and yeah. you know what I think when we work for ourselves we often become our own worst most tyrannical bosses yeah and we that is that is a road to burnout and that is a road to unsustainable business because the way that i think about business and the way that i think i've been forced to think about business because of my experiences with my own mental health you know i had Mm -hmm. two breakdowns in 18 months and basically could not continue to work um and then kind of went self-employed and set up my own business and i from those experiences was forced to acknowledge and think about okay what are my needs how can I make this business mentally sustainable health wise Mm -hmm. sustainable for me um and so like oh no wrong hand it's here (laughs) this is my like way of doing business called the Heartwood way and the roots of the tree are your needs and that's where we have to start Mm -hmm. because if our needs are not being met by our business, and I don't just mean financial needs, but our need for um, solitude, if we're introverted, our need for periods of hyper-focus, if we are um, neurodivergent, our need for variety, if we're neurodivergent, our need to be led by our interests rather than deadlines and urgency or false urgency. Um, If those needs aren't met by our business, then, we will always stay on that burnout cycle because yeah. we're constantly fighting against who we are. And yeah. that's not our fault. That's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault. It's because that's what we've been taught we should be. We've been taught to fit into this perfectly round hole and we're star-shaped and that just doesn't work for us. Yeah. Um, so I think a big part of it is is recognizing what your own needs and natural tendencies are, the way your brain and body works, and then starting there when designing your business or designing your offers or your boundaries. Yeah. So uh, like I feel my heart, and it's it's not because of the sun, but because of your words, how my heart is warming. And, <laughs> and I'm looking at the clock as like we are 14 minutes in, and I'm thinking how my best friend who is the producer of the show he'll be like I am going to make every like every three minutes a new highlight because everything you're saying not to be kind of sliced and made in a highlight reel I know he'll be like he'll message me this 100% when he listens to this today (laughs) um yeah thank you so much for your lovely words and i love the way you show up uh, everywhere basically with so much affection uh and so much understanding for for every place that almost all of us are even though like sometimes the places are different but i feel like you manage 
to tap into each of our own places and just give us the warmth and the appreciation and the understanding that we all crave. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think we've, you know, me personally, I've spent so many years when I was employed by a corporate, um, feeling under attack, feeling not good enough, feeling mm. embarrassed, feeling ashamed, feeling upset, feeling afraid. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. And you know, you know, you talked about your experience of burnout and my own experience of, of mental health crisis. Like, I don't want someone to have to get that far down the well to realise mm. that things need to change. Yeah. And um so yeah i think being we're all we're all nasty enough to ourselves as it is <laughs> we all need yeah. a bit of love and kindness and compassion and care and um i genuinely like i'm i'm i run a, a group kind of program and genuinely that space is like a big loving like we all just end up loving one another and I think that's so powerful because we don't give ourselves that or we many of us find it really hard to give ourselves that myself included absolutely and to receive that love and support and kindness from other people is just so powerful it just makes such a big difference to your life as well as your business yeah it does and it kind of um reinforces own muscles to practice giving yourself grace and the everyday kindness and not, not being judgmental towards every single thing mm. like I am yeah. um, I say by nature but like now because I'm questioning everything I'm not sure is it by nature or by systemic design <laughs> I'm an overachiever and a perfectionist and uh, the amount of energy I need to invest in simply reminding myself that whatever I do is good enough because I am good enough to start with. It, it easily takes like 20 to 40% of my daily energy yeah. because yeah. how much I still need to work on actually believing that versus reminding myself that that is mm -hmm. the truth because for yeah. so long, I, I I didn't think so. Nothing was enough. Like I had like before before kind of starting my work career, I was a very highly achieved academic with like like dozens of published scientific papers and like travel to conferences across continents and have I don't even have I don't even know how many awards four five six. I I feel completely dissociated with all of that because. I have never thought, like I've never stopped at that moment and kind of patted myself on the back and be like, great job, Franca, well done. Or mm -hmm. later when kind of um, I had, I was having like one achievement after the other, I constantly was just pushing myself forward and thinking about the next big thing mm -hmm. rather than stopping and looking back and be like, oh my God, look at what I have achieved. And I'm like, I'm not even 20 or 21 or, or whatever. It was never enough. So now I feel like someone else had lived that life because yeah. I was never present and I never associated successes and those achievements with myself. Mm, gosh, that is so powerful to hear. Um, I think for two reasons. Firstly, it feels so resonant with my own experience. So like, I feel like my life before my mental health crisis, I was one person and now I'm a different person. And um, I've spent the last however many years, three, four years since then, trying to determine what parts of me are me and what parts of me were learned behavior from the rest of my life where I don't think I, knew who I was or and that's something that I'm still figuring out but the second reason that I think that's so 
powerful and thank you so much for sharing it is oh no hang on have i forgot my second reason what was gonna say oh that's it um <laughs> I was like, oh no, it was really good. I wanted to say it. Um, the second reason is, I don't think external validation ever works. You know, you spent that period of your life getting awards, getting achievements, being published, being, you know, put on stages and being clapped and being, you know, told how amazing your work was. And yet you still didn't believe it. Yeah. External validation does not work. And that is a really hard thing to I think allow ourselves to acknowledge because then we're like fuck then I have to do it myself <laughs> then, I have to, then I have to actually feel um <laughs> that I'm good enough <laughs> I, I I genuinely think it's true those of yeah. us who seek for those of us who seek external validation it's never enough never enough it will never make us feel what we want it to make us feel because we have to cultivate that feeling in ourselves yeah and that's a lot harder than receiving external validation it is so much harder like even today and i've been on uh this journey as exactly as you said i i think i even described this like some podcasts ago uh the same way of how i i am now kind of learning who i am <laughs> for the first time ever because before that i was a composite of many different things that were kind of just like I feel like like stickers who were just like sticked on me just like labeled on me you are this you are that you will do blah blah and this is like and now I'm peeling those off and looking is this me and then just like putting them in the bin yeah. if I'm not <laughs> yeah um, I know exactly what you mean and it's like and part of your brain is like well it is me because I've always done that but just because I've always yeah. done that doesn't mean that I actually want to continue doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a right old mind bender. Yeah, it is. And then I feel like what kind of comes with that um, is I have two things that I could watch in my own life happening. Um, first of all, because of that, my relationship, because my relationship with myself has changed, my relationship with boundaries have changed. And then that upsets other people because for 26 years of my life, I was acting one way, which was mostly beneficial for them. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was overworking, I was people-pleasing, I was doing all of the things that benefited other people. And now when I'm really, really protective of my energy, that's changed. And then what i what what i once allowed now i'm not allowing anymore and then that pieces thank you <laughs> that pieces some people off and at the same time um when i look at my like like really close relationships um sometimes my own changed my own change scares other people like my family or my partner or someone because they feel that I'm changing like I'm developing I'm growing and then I feel like it sparks like some uh like inner fears of oh what if she realizes that I am not enough because now she, like she's growing but I'm kind of staying in the same place and then that dynamic is also really for me interesting to watch because I kind of I'm I, I self-aware in those situations and kind of it almost feels like I am observing them for like as a third person looking down. Yeah. Um, because then that's a completely new dynamic and a way of communication that you need to learn and adopt mm -hmm. uh in order to kind of advance in your relationship as well. Because technically, yeah, like if we if we are uh, what would be the mathematical expression a times b <laughs> equals a b right so like if if a change if, if a is changing then the relationship with a b changes mm. well. um and Ooh, i've never i never understand maths frank but you just made that very understandable to me thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> that was like a light bulb moment <laughs> i'm glad i use i'm my mind is um very 
uh, very analytical in its nature. So for me, I always bring, try to bring everything down to first principles because that's the way I perceive the world. Then thinking about it in kind of just like simple mathematical relations is the way that kind of uh, suits me the best. And yeah, kind of just as illustrated with this example, it's like, um, I feel like when you start to change yourself, it's oft like we all, at least I did, I feel like we often tend to forget that it also influences other people around that we are essential uh, parts of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then that's also like something that can bring up friction if not kind of managed well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, it's really interesting your um, description of that, actually, because I think I absolutely hear and relate to the boundaries stuff um, that you talked about there. Like, yes, you're not having boundaries in the past really benefits the people who like liked you not having boundaries, i.e. our former employers or people who... Um, you know, took more of our energy than we really perhaps wanted to give. Um, but it's really interesting your your mention about relationships and your relationship with your partner, because I think a lot about how I was just a terrible, terrible partner when I was in my old life um, and basically was un- had undiagnosed anxiety and depression and other mental health stuff for you know, a decade before getting a diagnosis after having a breakdown. Um, and I think a lot about how I was just a terrible partner. Like, you know, I would come home, say that I'd be home from work at like seven and get back at 10, or I'd leave at six in the morning, or I would, oh God, so many memories of like, you know, pl- be, saying that I'm going to be home for dinner at a certain time and then just never being or answering the phone in the middle of the night because of a work thing or walking down the street like to go and have lunch together and being on the phone for work at the weekend and um I think that my experience with my mental health and my experience of then changing to be self-employed and run my own business I feel like has made me a better partner but I think actually the way that you put it there is so much more compassionate to myself is that I've changed and therefore our relationship changes and I think in my case with my partner that's been hugely beneficial to both of us um but you're right the flip side of that particularly I think with with work relationships is the changes that you make to your boundaries and like you say you know, you mentioned earlier that 20 to 40% of your capacity is literally just processing kind of systemic issues and trauma about what the concept of yeah. work is. So yeah. your kind of capacity for living is already reduced and then your capacity for work and then your capacity for working with people rather than just on your business and on yeah. yourself. And so to, you know, if we've only got a, a, a pie this big and this slice of it is already taken out to be dealing with whatever's going on for us mental health neurodivergence past trauma whatever chronic illness caring responsibilities and then another part of it is taken out to actually live our lives which is you know allowed and encouraged yeah. and then another part is taken out to um to work on our business to maintain our business to make sure that it's financially sustainable to keep doing the things that we yeah. have to do file our taxes market ourselves then there's only this bit of the pie left for working with people and you're working with lots of people at a time generally or on lots of different projects so each piece of the pie has to be a certain size otherwise all the pie is taken up and you you don't get to eat any of those pieces my, mm. my metaphor is now starting to run out um <laughs> any of those pieces that we've already set aside so boundaries while I think the word has become very kind of zeitgeisty, I guess, in online business world at the moment. But for me, boundaries is just behavior. They're just ways of acting, ways of behaving, ways, what what behavior is acceptable in your space. And when it comes to clients or people that you work with or the way that you do business, that's just um, how you'll work together, the behavior that you will both exhibit. And, yeah. you know, even like Amazon has boundaries. If you have Prime, you have to order before 
10.30 at night to guarantee next day delivery or whatever it is. Like, you know, the call center for BA is only open on a Monday to a Friday between nine and six. Those are all boundaries. Those are just behaviors, way of behaving and relating to another business. And yeah, I think when, when we think about our boundaries in terms of our kind of clients in particular or people we work with, I think as as kind of people, one woman bands or small businesses or, or freelancers, we think about personal relationships. And of course we have pers personal relationships with the people we work with, but even in your personal relationships, you can still say, oh, like, I don't want to go to that, you know, dog racing thing because that really doesn't sit well with me and I don't like it and it makes yeah. me feel really uncomfortable. And it's still, you know, we can still set boundaries in ways that feel good to us. But at the end of the day, it's just about ways of behaving and ways of relating to one another. I love how you framed it, how they are it, like, like boundaries actually just like a way of behaving because I feel it takes a lot of the sometimes um negative pressure off because mm -hmm. i feel like especially as women we've been told that like we are here to serve mm -hmm. and then uh kind of inf inf inflicting with that statement is like having boundaries for yourself mm -hmm. uh, and kind of realizing that boundaries are not bad they're just a way of behavior and i remember i read uh I, it maybe it was in, on an instagram post or in a book about boundaries that i'm currently reading it was boundaries help other people understand your expectations uh -huh. Be because like that's what that's one of the integral 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 parts of communication as well because if i don't state my own boundary then you don't know what to expect mm -hmm. of what i need yeah. or what i want because you yeah. can't read my mind yeah i i am an evangelical disciple of the church of glennon doyle and <laughs> her book untamed is like <laughs> the bible to yeah. me as, as the bible would be to someone who had a had a faith and in untamed she talks about um she doesn't specifically say that about boundaries but she says that as women we've been sold this lie that doing what's right for us is wrong for other people and that there's this binary choice between doing what's right for us and causing harm to others and yeah. that that's a total lie because by doing what's right for us we show others that that's possible for them as well yeah. and we can make this ripple effect of change and just on the point about you know boundaries being absolutely intrinsically biologically systematically harder for us to set as women because for millennia it's built into our dna quite literally that to be safe in the world we must be pliant and kind and selfless and supportive and only think of others and be attached to someone stronger than ourselves traditionally a man and to be able to do that we need to be pliant and kind and all of those things yeah. and so for us to say no or that doesn't work for me or i'm not willing to accept that in my space is like a going against that deep kind of literally biological neurophysical um impulse to stay safe because yeah. saying no we're told as women or we know deep in our bones as women that saying no is not safe and so i think bound for us to set and hold and maintain boundaries is so much harder and there are ways that we can make it a lot easier or make it as easy as possible for ourselves mm. but it's always going to feel hard to begin with always because we're doing something yeah. that our brain tells us is not safe yeah yeah, exactly. I was just about to um, comment on that, how I remember the first time like I was teaching myself to reinforce boundaries. Like, I, I, I literally felt like I'm under attack, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in danger. Yeah. And yeah. that's because for the first time ever, I was doing something that, uh, other than doing for the first time ever it myself, that biologically for like generations, my family, women in my family haven't been doing or haven't been thinking about doing it because I know like now 
when I say like, when I reinforce my or restate my boundaries with my family, I know it, the resistance that comes from them because mm. it just doesn't fit in their worldview anymore because I've kind of yeah. moved away, especially like I can see that with my um, grandma, how just like, the, the, the discrepancy is so big mm. just like can't understand some of the things um not that like I love her and she's amazing because she's my grandma but you know like the difference in the between the world where she grew up and yeah. was brought up in and was made to believe mm. and what I'm now unlearning <laughs> and questioning everything it's completely different yeah yeah it's I find it so fascinating like you know it goes it it imagine like the world view of your grandma but times a hundred like that's it goes further and further and further mm -hmm. back into our genetic makeup than we can possibly imagine because yeah. you know women were only allowed to work or it was only commonplace for women to be working in like the 60s like women couldn't vote until the yeah. 20th century yeah. women were property before yeah. they were legally owned by men like yeah. no wonder this is so hard for our yeah. generation because you know we're we're doing things that no one ever thought possible there's a um someone on instagram who i love called africa daily clark um, she's the Vitamin D project and she has a banner by Alice Gab, um, who makes beautiful, amazing banners. And her banner says, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Like mm. we are living the, the wildest, most crazy dreams that our ancestors could ever have had. Um, and I think what, while for her and in her kind of, um, you know that that will of course have its own meaning for her and i think for her it's about um it's about you know um the the wildest dreams of ancestors in the the black community and and the community of people of color for me that has real meaning when it comes to women and the female experience as well that you know we're doing things that even my my mother my grandmother never mind 10 20 30 generations back people can yeah. imagine um and no no fucking wonder that feels really hard <laughs> no yeah. wonder it feels like a constant battle to yeah. set a boundary to reinforce a boundary to think about how we want to work to identify like when we've got high energy when we've got low energy like we yeah. just you know we've never been told that these things are possible for us before and they are but it's kind of up to us to make them possible and that part that's true and now like as you were saying just like mental images were coming to my mind of how that manifests in my own life mm -hmm. and how that's true for me even though i have never intentionally thought about it like i'm i'm not the first one for example to go to university for my family but i'm the only engineer especially and the only female engineer in the family um because in academia i'm i'm an engineer and uh, I'm the first one to be self-employed, and like so many, I'm, I'm, like, I have so many of the first one in the family, mm. especially the untraditional, not conventional kinds mm. of things that um, I know kind of sometimes irritate me to the point where, like, I will because now I know what I stand for. I, I wanted to say who I am, but I still don't know. Like I, ca I can't tell you with 100% accuracy. <laughs> We're all still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah in, like, it's a work in progress. Um, but like, I know what I stand for. And like, that's flexible. It, like, as I learn new things and discover new things about myself, it changes. Um, but then that picture is brought up in my work which means that mm -hmm. i know who i want to work with and who i don't want to work with and yeah. the ways i want to be working and the ways that i don't want to so for example like saying no to a job is something that like you know in my uh closest 
circle of friends and family, people are like, oh my, like you said no yeah. to money. Yeah. Why did you do that? Well, yeah. And like I have with my own hair, of course, I have my own reasons. And I know that if I like if I take every opportunity, then I won't have the time for the one that I wanted once mm-hmm. it comes by. Yeah. So like training myself to intentionally have like I have a filter of things. If you don't satisfy old and the hardest thing, trusting myself, everything will kind of fall into place as like because I believe in myself and because I believe. Um... Oh, back! Have I, have did I lost you? We're back. We're back. You put oh. you you froze for a little minute, I froze, but I heard okay. you. <laughs> oh, you heard me, but I froze. Okay. Um... <laughs> okay that means audio was there um yeah and the the trusting myself um Mm -hmm. is the hardest part and i know when i discuss it with my friends that's the reason why they are not yet ready to say no when an opportunity comes by because they're too scared that Mm -hmm. they'll be kind of that they'll be left with no money, even though they have yeah. money and saving, they're responsible people. But just like the act of refusing and mm-hmm. saying no to something that's going to bring you monetary value predominantly is like it's 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 a huge scare. Yeah, I think it's like the thin end of the wedge. Like we know what our values are, we know what we stand for, we're learning who we are, we're learning what's right and what's yeah. wrong for us. Yeah. But it's it is that moment where either you need to say no to something that doesn't feel right to you, or you're, you know, deciding to stop working with someone or something, or you're setting a boundary in a situation that isn't serving you. And it's the thin end of the wedge where it's almost like we're testing ourselves on how much we believe that we deserve to have those needs met and I think you're right that trusting ourselves is the hardest thing ever (laughs) particularly when we work for ourselves excuse me and I think for me that's why I love working in groups with people like um like I mentioned I'm just launching my my latest sort of group program business club at the moment and the thing that I love is that when you don't trust yourself others still trust you and others are able to say to you you're amazing look at all these things that you did last month look at all these amazing impacts you're having and hearing that from others while I still stand by the fact that I don't think external validation ever works but it helps to remind you that you can trust yourself and that you are valuable and that people want what you've got and that people care and hearing that from other people that you respect and who inspire you and who you care about and you've built relationships with in this sort of group setting, I think is really powerful. I love, that's one of the things I really love about working in groups. It is, and I've come to experience a small part of it yesterday uh, in the Kind King, because like, even as someone who like, I, I usually, even being with people online <laughs> takes away my energy. Yeah. Uh, there are experiences such as yours from yesterday where I end up being fuller with energy. Like in a you know like in it's 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 a positive day instead of depleted because mm-hmm. instead of being kind of surrounded by like even though I've never met them, that was the first time I was ever surrounded by each and every one of them, I felt like there's a certain thing that kind of connects us all. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I didn't feel the usual pressures, the questioning and the fears of, do I belong here? Yeah. Is, this, is this safe for me? Yeah. me to show up because 
usually like, I, I don't feel like it is and having experience like those um just you know, it just helps me remind myself that i'm not crazy <laughs> and that yeah. i'm not in this world because sometimes yeah. the rest of the world will make you feel like you're like you're completely out there like you're from another not planet but from another universe completely because everything i do uh tends to be so much different than like 90 percent of the population maybe even more here because like culturally in where, where i live like it's it's a very extremely traditional society and then me doing all of these things that are extremely unconventional doesn't quite fit in mm. and for me what it means being in groups of people even though i really struggle with showing up because i'm always afraid uh it means getting reminded that everyone is unique in their own ways and that doesn't need to mean i need to be scared or constantly kind of fear that something bad will happen yeah i think do you know what <clears throat> i think you're so right that there's something common in all of us like in our session yesterday kind co-working which yeah it's like a monthly thing for my business club people and i think the thing that connects us all is that we're all people who felt like that in the box you know we are all yeah. people who don't fit into any box we're making our own box yeah um, and so it's safe to be different and it's allowed to be different and it's celebrated to be different yeah. and it yeah. no one's judged for being different and that's something that i feel really proud about is like you know the spaces that i create i think are radically non-judgmental the only thing that i won't allow is you being nasty to yourself or to other people <laughs> that's the only thing that we don't allow um, the only rule <laughs> um but other than that you're free to be free and safe and celebrated to be exactly who you are and who we all are is really inspiring and exciting and you know the fact that you are doing such different things in such a traditional conservative with a small c society i think is so powerful and so amazing and should be so celebrated um so yeah i love that you felt that thank you thank you um yeah, and thank i mean you're welcome and thank you for facilitating that space um and i think not only kind of in uh not only that it's a space in a let's say conventional kind of way where it's like you know like setting or something even your instagram account i feel the same way because like who i mean um instagram for the majority of people is usually just real where everything is everything is total like there's a reason for like every single decision on the photo and the comma in the text and everything and kind of seeing you be like i'm here in my pajamas and gibson's lying next to me <laughs> i like you know this is what i signed up for because that's i think that i think that's the world we should kind of that we are living in but we are not showing to the outside so like even yeah. saying I think that's the world we should be living in is false because that is the world. That is like 99%. <laughs> we all wear pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like until uh, like five minutes before our call, I just put a top. I, I still have my hoodie on the. <laughs> oh, well done. I'm very proud of you. I've got my slippers <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually. I, I enjoy putting like a nice floral top and like a red lippy because it makes me feel nice and because I like almost work from home uh, in my like either it's either a pyjama and I'm in my bed or it's like my trackies and I, I'm on my couch I sometimes yeah. I, I like to not necessarily kind of dress up but just like look 
like this sometimes because yeah. it brings my soul energy up and i know that yeah. even, even when like when i have floral patterns and bright colors in myself my energy kind of goes up as well and then i end up being more productive whatever that world mean word means <laughs> but i end up you know like just like being having more energy that i can then direct into something that i feel i want to finish today like i i usually struggle with um um to-do lists and priorities and stuff because i'm very kind of powered by my energy mm-hmm. and then sometimes it's like okay i feel like doing this task today i basically have a to-do dump not a, not yeah. a list it's a dump <laughs> where all of the tasks yeah. go yeah and then i'm just like when i wake up you know yeah. like they're like yeah just like i i'm i'm doing i feel like i'm doing this one today because all of those things of like eating the frog in the morning or be like being then done that doesn't like it just doesn't work yeah and as of this year like i've made it uh my mission and an experiment to show up in my business as kind of 100 percent me meaning whatever i feel like doing or not doing that they will do or not do like no questions asked like no judgment sometimes i will want to work at 11 p.m because usually my mind is most creative then and last year because i was so afraid of slipping back into overworking i was putting restrictions on myself of how long i should work and like how like there were so many rules which then kind of restrained my creativity yeah and now i'm like some i can i can work i can work three days for four hours if i'm in the flow and then i won't work for a week because Mm. I know that the way my is when I show up best in my own work. And I'm just be yeah. I will just be honoring that for the rest of my life, I hope so. Yeah, I love that. And I think that just shows like the power of recognizing our own natural tendencies and the way that our brain and body works and allowing that rather than yeah. once again trying to force ourselves into a box that yeah. doesn't reflect who we are yeah Yeah. um and i think on the sort of you know instagram as a highlight reels versus being honest i think you know a lot of people talk about only sharing things once they've processed them for themselves and i do think i absolutely understand that and see the power of that for that person but that doesn't really work for me i think um you know i've had some really really dark times in my life and um what would have helped me in those times is feeling that I wasn't so crushingly alone Mm. and so I do share my honest experience in the moment of where my mental health is at and where my business is at and where where I'm at because if no one shares from the place of the wound yeah and anyone who's no one who's wounded knows that that anyone else is too and mm. that they that that wound will heal into a scar and so for me that's something that's quite important is well <laughs> quite important honesty is like one of my one of the things that is one of the values that is most important in my business and for me to hide what was going on for me at a particular time would be totally contrary to that and would feel so wrong um and yeah part of that is kind of sharing what i feel comfortable in the moment particularly about my mental health and my business because that's you know what i'm what i'm here for yeah oh i i love that so much because that what you just described is the sole reason how uh all of this came to be like unset expectations were just uh as, as in the beginning a stream of my thoughts in basically my darkest moments because i process by writing 
and mm. it was a way of also me challenging myself to not over edit my thoughts and kind of mm. and then later over edit them on paper so i i said like okay i will be just like doing uh, basically a download of my thoughts as they come <laughs> without like even lifting the pen from the paper and then i just hit publish and that's mm. it um because i know how imp- how important it is to show up as you said like in that in that space of and time of being in, in, in being in the wound as as it's happening as you're going through it because people usually see the before and the after yeah. it's a black box in between yeah. and i think that the most like it, of course like the black box is the is the, is the heaviest part the heaviest mm-hmm. stage of the entire process especially because we don't talk about it openly once we are in it then it feels even more scary and it's even darker than like it is black but it's blacker because you don't know what to expect Mm. and yeah and as you said like I also appreciate that some people um will not be ready to share that but I always like I implore those who are please share (laughs) please like like it, it can be as you know it's like as simple as just like sharing a story on instagram mm. or yeah. someone can like either write write something and share or mm. come to a podcast and share whatever because i know how much it means for me when i once once i am in the place of woundedness when I hear other people talking about their experience, you immediately feel better because I'm not better because someone else went through it, but better because it's like you're not alone and it normalizes the experience. It strips yeah. away, uh, or at least like aims <laughs> uh, of stripping away the guilt that we always have, that mm-hmm. we brought it up like on ourselves because of something that we did, which is completely yeah. false. And also I think, you know you you're so right in that you know we often see the before and the after and we don't see the during of those darkest hours and i think often the, because in the during while it's happening when we're at our darkest point when when we're wounded we're frightened mm. and we're ashamed yeah and shame and fear and loneliness kill shame and fear and loneliness keep you more ill for longer and they can kill you um you know people people go so far down the well that they don't think there's any way out and that's what shame and fear and loneliness does and if we can if by you know sharing a tiny bit or as much as you feel comfortable and able to share can help others feel less alone and less ashamed and less fearful is an amazing thing but it also is amazing for yourself because once you start sharing and you start hearing back from others that they've had similar experiences you realize that you're not alone and that you can feel a little bit less afraid and a little bit less ashamed and slowly that weight starts to lift and it helps you to feel better yeah uh like i i I almost have an issue. Yesterday, the last night I was on a group experience that was a masterclass of sorts, more of like a workshop. One of the questions was, what makes you mad? And I was like, what makes me mad is that we actually need to say and work on normalizing these experiences, whereas they are normal to begin with. When were they made? When were they made not normal? <laughs> Every yeah. single human being on this planet goes through them. If that's not considered, like if that doesn't make them considered normal, I don't know what is. Um, yeah. So it's like that's like that 
frame of existing and that frame of reference is what like it it, it boils my blood from the inside mm-hmm. because yeah as i said because we someone sometimes decide one time decided that it's shameful to speak about mm-hmm. what you were going through and then that <laughs> continued on <laughs> is where we are now and it's like having that much shame about a completely normal human experience. I mean, by normal, I think frequent in the population. Mm-hmm. Like, it's thing that happens to 1% of the people. <laughs> there, especially now, like, there are statistics that show that, like, 60, 70, 80% of people. So it's like mm-hmm. the experiences are normal. And yeah. I think. Yeah, I just hope that in the near future, be able to kind of arrive to the point, right? Rather, erase everything that has been kind of conditioned upon them, mm-hmm. and as of our life that everyone goes through one way or the other, like in in a smaller or larger scale. And one is not more important or more valuable. Like um, a conversation with a friend of mine who said that because of all of the things I've been through, um, it makes me more worthy. It was something along those lines. And I was like, well, that's not necessarily true, you know, because just because I won't be a small thing and you might, just because the differences in our experiences problem any less smaller than it yeah. is or mine yeah. because like mm-hmm. we are two completely different scales <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and yeah it's like it's it's always the same it's the thing of not look, look looking at the absolute values it's like if mm-hmm. like if his problems are a sum of 20 and my are sum of 200 it's it's a relative scale because then his small thing and my small thing, it will be the same ratio. But you mm-hmm. know, like I just yeah, hope and I think yeah. I think everyone's reality is different. Everyone's experiences are different, and that doesn't make your reality any less true or any less important than somebody else's. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think. I love that that's the thing that makes you mad, Franca, that shame, shame and stigma and people being forced to feel that they're alone in experiences when they're not. I love that that's the thing that makes you mad. That makes me mad too. I am happy that we are united in our madness. (laughs) (laughs) In so many ways, Franca, in so many ways. (laughs) And uh, I... Uh, I just want to kind of restate what you've just said, which is like you said that people are forced to, and I have never kind of um, thought of it about that way. I've thought of it indirectly, but never articulated it. And that's 100% true. It's like we are being forced to feel these things versus how we are, how, how it comes to us. From inside, inside of us to feel mm. and kind of show up on the outside, but then it's like it feels as we have you no know, different, I don't know, doors to walk through, and each door has a filter that kind of just like mutes you down and like dissipates mm. your entire image. And yeah, I have like my my. I feel like one of my missions in this world is to. Smash those doors. <laughs> yes. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed myself. You're welcome. You're very you're such an interesting, amazing interviewer and person, Frank. I love. I've loved like getting to know you better as well. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a nice thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I am respectful of your time. Oops. <laughs> Dropped an earphone. <laughs> yeah.
that happens to me as well. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, um, Joe. I will, I will hold this conversation very near and dear and close to my heart. Um, thank you so much for being here today and for showing up and for giving all of us your radical permission to show up as we are. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I have absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And if anyone who listened, listened now on the live stream or will listen later in the episode, I will have all of Joe's links uh, in the description. Joe, is the business, when is the business club um, uh, closing? Um, it closes on Monday the 31st and then we start on the 16th of February because I need a little rest in between launching a thing and actually doing a thing. <laughs> I need some that, that, That's always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, so there you go, you heard it, and I will just quickly put a link, there we go, add, there we go, oh, there's there a link. It is. It's so <laughs> there... fancy, Franca. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> look into this. I feel like I'm, 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 like I'm a proper TV radio show host. Yeah, you are, I love it. Um, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, there you go, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know on basically wherever you can find both Joe and I, um, what you thought. And uh, let's keep this conversation going, shall we? Okay. Thank you, everyone. Joe, have a very nice uh, end of the day. And uh, I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. Bye.